Everybody bring it in. We have another edition of the Read Option coming to you here on a Thursday evening. And ladies and gents, I am not alone today. I am joined by a good friend and part-time co-host, along with our buddy Vito uh, of this podcast, Scotty Miller, sipping on a Mick Ultra, working on that body as we have a huge weekend in front of us, and we'll get to some yeah. of that later. Uh, but buddy, Scotty Miller, how are you, man? It's been far too long. Good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, a lot of exciting uh, new life developments. So um, Yeah, you bought a house. Yeah, we bought a house a while ago, as as listeners might know, <clears throat> but we finally moved into that house, my wife Song and I. So, um, uh, you know, just uh, boxes everywhere. Uh, first couple of days eating on the floor, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Furniture coming in, all that, all that good new homeowner stuff. First, yeah, but you, so. you know what's great about that though? Like those are memories. Like I remember my parents talking about when they got their first apartment and they got their first house. How, like they remember those moments very vividly, like sitting on the couch with ordered pizza, you know, yeah. or sitting on the ground with a maybe a TV plugged in or maybe like a radio going and, and yeah. just having that moment together. Like it's as much as it might suck in the moment, it's a really special thing that you guys get to like kind of do together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, it was fun to, uh, to, cause I've heard a bunch of those stories. Um, and, you know, I was just trying to not worry about how bad it was you know, the fact that we didn't have any furniture, but kind of savor the moment of that story, because I've heard so many of those types of stories like, uh, like, uh, Tommy and Tommy G and Vic have. So, um, so yeah, just trying to, to, to savor every second of that. And, uh, and, you know, there's a, there's a, a thing in the office that always comes to mind. It's on Pam and Jim's wedding day when, um, they don't have a camera with themselves. So they like take these mental snapshots. It was, it was, it was kind of like that. So I yeah. think about that uh, all the time, dude. I have those yeah. I have those moments in my head all of the time of just the mental, you know, the mental pictures just to kind of save and download because yeah, man, that's I mean, that's what life's all about. It's, you know, and and to also quote the office, you know, at the the last episode when Ed Helms is like, you know, sometimes I wish you knew what when what the good old days were like while you were in them. You know, yeah. and that's a really good way to kind of stay present in the moment. I'm happy for you, man. I'm excited to come out and see the new place. Thank you. Uh, we're yeah. gonna play some golf down there. You're not too far from me. You're actually a lot closer to me now than you were. You're only about 20, 25 minutes down the road. So yeah, uh, we'll, something we'll, like that. I gotta come out, have a couple beers. We'll cook out. We'll we'll, we'll have a day. I'll I'll bring over a, a a cheap bottle of wine because that's what I can afford. But <laughs> that's fine. We'll <laughs> my, take my, it all. My I'm, gift will be I'm my also, personality, my presence. I'm looking at uh, the area where you and I are gonna build the bar down here in the basement. Oh yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that too. For those who don't know, my uh, my quarantine, my first quarantine uh, project hobby thing, I was furloughed for a little bit. I was kind of not getting a ton of hours. I wasn't working a whole lot. And my roommate, who's an engineer and a brilliant uh, woodworker and carpenter, he and I built a bar out of uh, pallet wood. So we went around to different restaurants and he had a truck at the time. We loaded up the back of his truck full of pallets and we built this this beautiful bar. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not even ashamed to brag a little bit because it's a fucking sick yeah. bar. Like I absolutely love the thing. Uh, and, and we spent like a solid six, seven weeks putting it all together. We poured a big old thing of, uh, of epoxy on top at the end. So it's got the legit bar finish. Some say maybe even better than some bars you would go to. So uh, I'd say, yeah, 
Yeah, and Scott and Scotty's seen it, so you know, firsthand firsthand account here. Uh, well, I'm happy for you, dude. I'm happy for you. Uh, we were a little a little late getting on here to record today because, you know, I had this moment a couple a couple months ago, right, where it was like, man, traffic around DC is kind of starting to pick up a little bit again. Like that, I had this moment where I was like, yeah, okay, this is like we, we people must be going back to work, right? And it had been so long that I had forgotten what actual dc traffic was like because Ugh, i went worst. back i went back into the office this week my whole my whole company had a soft open i've been going back into studio because of the nature of my job i've been going back throughout all of the pandemic basically with the exception of the first like two months and i think a lot of companies picked july in like the early and mid parts of july to be the soft opening because holy hell i I would sat in so much traffic in the last two days. It's absurd. My 20 minute commute has taken almost an hour both days because everyone in DC's back. And look, there's an old, there's a comedian, there's an old bit. I forget who it was, but he had this bit that was called like definitely, but, but maybe, you know, which is like, it'd be a very obvious thing. Like, you know, of course, you know, kids who have peanut allergies, you know, we should we should take special precautions. We should make sure that they don't, you know, get sick. We have to make sure we separate their food. But maybe if we just, you know, turned a blind eye for a year, then all peanut allergies would disappear. Right. And it's a really messed up like concept. Like magic. <laughs> yeah, right. But I had this moment where, today where I was driving home. I was like, of course the pandemic is a horrible thing. Like, of course. It, it, it's been horrible. It, people have lost so many loved ones, myself included. It's been absolutely terrible. But maybe the roads and commutes and everything was better when people were working from home. And we don't actually have to be in offices. Like maybe we should just, you know, focus on that a little bit more. And, you know, the whole global warming aspect of it, too. So I felt kind of like a dick driving home today. But I'm not going to lie. I, the thought crossed my mind because the traffic. I was like, oh, my God, I thought it was I got fool's gold. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what it was like when I was driving in. There's a little bit of traffic. It takes me maybe 30 minutes to get home. It's like, no, actually, when traffic's bad and you're driving back from D.C. and everyone's back, it's going to take you an hour to go a, a commute that normally takes 20 minutes. So that's why yeah. we're we're a little late getting this one out today. But we also have a big weekend coming up. And we also have a great show lined up for you guys today because the NBA Finals are in full swing. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to get our NBA Finals reactions. Game four was last night in what was definitely the best overall game of oh the series. No question. Yeah. Uh, we've had the Home Run Derby since we've come up and the All-Star Game. And then baseball, of course, is going to baseball because there was some news that came out just about an hour ago that just it's so fitting for baseball to have – that the highest approval rating they've had in so long, and then to follow it up with such a goose egg, which is going to happen tonight on Thursday night. Uh, the British Open, or the Open Championship, I should say, kicked off today, uh, and we're going to get into a little bit of that. Bryson DeChambeau continuing to Bryson DeChambeau. And ha. we're going to wrap up the show with some life talk. Uh, we got some interesting stuff we're going to get into, some uh, golden rules for softball etiquette, adult softball etiquette, as, as I've found myself back in the adult softball world as the world's opened up. But, Scotty, you, me, and Vito will all be attending the same bachelor party this weekend. And, buddy, I got a surprise for you. We are going to do some predictions. There might be some money lines involved. There's going to be some oh, over-unders. And you and I are going to make our bets. We're going to try to call Vito because he's not around right now, but we're going to force him to try to get him onto the pod and we're going to get our over 
unders for our bachelor party weekend to wrap up the show. So it's going to be a great show. And let's start off with the number one thing in sports right now, which is the NBA finals. So last night, the Milwaukee Bucks, they tied up the series. It's now two to two. Every team, every home team has won every single game and we're tied. Uh, We'll get into the specifics of game four last night, but Scotty, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about game uh this series really at all outside of a few text messages here and there what's been your biggest takeaway so far four games into this kind of bizarre nba finals uh so a couple a couple of uh things that strike me uh one how much of a barometer um oh my god what's his i just blanked on the (laughs) chris paul no not Giannis. um middleton how much of a, a barometer chris middleton is uh, for the for the Bucks, uh, it seems to be as he goes, the the team goes, um, and we see that we saw that last night. He dropped forty, and uh, and they they come out with a win. He did it earlier in the series. He, he was in the uh, in the thirty, I think it was thirty seven, thirty eight point range, and and um, he had forty last and night. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, in game three. So, um, <clears throat> I that's that's number one. Chris Chris Middleton is, is the ultimate barometer for the Bucks. Uh, number two is um, is on the other side. How much of a barometer uh, for the Suns is Devin Booker? Um, as as the, he goes, the Suns go. Uh, again, had a, had an unbelievable night last night, uh, and, and just came up short. Uh, but that was for for a couple of other reasons, not the least of which was Chris Paul. Um, but um, as as look in game three booker got shut down like I, that was the worst shooting night i've ever seen out of ever seen out of him in, in a game in the finals and then he comes back roaring with uh with a 40 point game last night um and the the suns did what they needed to needed to do to win that game right up until the very end with uh, a couple of turnovers from chris paul the other is uh how well the sun's defense is playing shutting down Giannis. uh deandre ayton is an absolute monster uh, in the paint in this entire finals. Uh, and he's really shown his medal and worth <clears throat> to the Suns, not only on the offensive side of the ball, which he's very, very uh, capable in, at and good at, uh, but but on the defensive side of the ball, the the, the screens he has to go over, uh, the, the toughness he has uh, playing in the paint as Giannis drives or Middleton drives or, uh, or Bobby Portis, the big guys driving in. Mm-hmm. Um, those those are the things that stand out to me. The the two barometers on each team, uh, Middleton for the Bucks, uh, Booker for the Suns, and and how well the Suns defense has been playing. Yeah, I so I'll I don't want to push back immediately, but you know Giannis did have two unreal games in Game Two and Game Three, and you yeah. know like the forty points back to back. So and. The notable thing was game three, obviously, DeAndre Ayton. This is where I actually agree with you there. DeAndre Ayton has done an unbelievable job, uh, as good of a job as you can do, right? There is no stopping Giannis, but you can slow him down. And what, what was interesting in the game last night was Giannis, you know, scores 26. He said 26, 14 rebounds, eight assists, three steals, two blocks. Yeah, right. but so if you watch the first quarter, he was non-existent. He, he couldn't even ha- catch a breath. And then he yeah, I mean, sh- he's... He- Fired up two air balls. He's one of those guys. He he's, he's one of those guys who who just grinds. He, he plays at such an extreme effort level that you know he he gets gassed and and he's not afraid to kind of be like, yeah, you know what, I'm gassing you to break, even if we are only six or seven minutes into the first quarter. But that dude just brings it. I mean, like, because this this to me, this run that Giannis has been on, 
through the first four games of the series is as impressive of a run as I've as as we've seen really in, in recent history. I mean, you think back to the LeBron years when it was him and Kyrie going up against the Warriors. Uh, you think of that game one in 2000, I think it was 2018, when LeBron, uh, the J.R. Smith game, you know, when J.R. Smith forgot how much time was on the clock. And LeBron, uh, yeah. had, LeBron had like a 48-point game, a triple-double. Like LeBron was playing out of his mind. And <laughs> there, uh, the sign of a true superstar is great, is, wasn't it? Can you help your team win? Oh, it was amazing. J.R. Smith forgetting. The t- it was unbelievable. Uh, but but a tr- sign of a true superstar uh, in the NBA is can you help your team win even if you're not scoring, even if it's not your best scoring night? And the most evident uh, version of that or example of that that we saw was the block he had on the alley-oop to Aiton last night, which was just an unreal play. And there were people who were trying to compare it to uh, you know, the LeBron block, which circumstantially uh, they're just, they can't be compared. You know, that's total, like, cr- you know, it, too much in the moment. Yeah, LeBron right? ran, ran the length of the floor too. And that was it, in a game seven. So it was in a game seven in the closing <laughs> minute of a game, you know, like it was an un- unreal thing. So w- we are, we have a tendency to, you know, live a little too much in the moment, right? React a little too much. We're very reactionary sports culture when it comes to the media. But I thought what LeBron or sorry, I thought what Giannis has done so far in the series has been unreal. I mean, he's had two, he had back-to-back 40-point games in two, game two and game three. The Bucks, despite what you would think, have actually been in each of these games, in game one, game two, and then obviously they won pretty well in game three and game four. And all of these games have been a lot closer than the final score has kind of made it look, even last night to an example, to a point, right? Because the Bucks had a couple buckets there in the last couple minutes. Uh Everyone was freaking out about the Devin Booker foul that wasn't called, which was a very clear and obvious foul. The ref just obviously screwed that one up. Uh, and and that's tough. You know, I mean, if, if you're a referee in this day and age, you know, you get criticized constantly, but you can't miss that. You know, like you can't miss a call that that's that blatantly obvious. Uh, but, but Giannis is in the middle of one of those all time runs where even in the game last night, he gets 26 and yet, the way that, you know, Phoenix won game two and game one was they were going to let Giannis get his, you know, like you, and, and in a way, like you kind of have to let Giannis get his and then shut down everybody else. But when Chris Middleton's putting up a 40 point game, yeah. you know, what do you, what, what are you supposed to do at that point? And, and I love your point and, and you're exactly right. The barometer for this series for the Bucks has been the play of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And Drew Holiday had a horrible night last night, four of 20 from the field, 0 of five from three. uh, And he ends up with 13 points, but he has seven assists, seven rebounds, uh, three steals. And the tenacity that he plays on the defensive end, the energy he provides, that's palpable. So even though he didn't have a good statistic night, the energy, his mindset, everything about it, and I've always been a big Drew Holiday fan, but we get frustrated with guys like, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday because we expect more out of them because we've seen the ceiling that they have. Uh, the, the other thing that has to be brought up with last night's game in particular was CP3. I mean, Chris Paul, game one, oh, game two, turnovers. was a magician, oh. right? But but Chris Paul, like, I don't know how you sleep last time. He had five, I think, five turnovers last night. Yeah, Chris Paul had five Maybe turnovers. in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it I seemed mean, like he had more than five. That, that is <laughs> – and and credit to the Bucks because the you know 
they're forcing everyone loved the Phoenix mid range jumper, right? Everyone was going nuts. Like, look, see, analytic basketball was wrong. You know, mid range jumpers or can can win games too. You know, like there there was this whole mindset about Chris Paul and Devin Booker and how good of a mid range jump shooting team is. And they've kind of gone they've gone too much into that direction where Devin Booker scores 42 last night. He didn't make a single three. He went 0 of 3 from three. So there they push that to an extent. The corner threes when they're not falling, when guys like uh, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson uh, and even Take Cameron Crowder. Payne and Crowder, when those guys aren't hitting threes, uh, you, you know, that that's problematic because they kind of need that to create the space. And anytime Chris Paul got into the paint, he just had seven foot Giannis hulking over him. And as much as I love Chris Paul, you know, he's not making those layups. You know, he's not making those those shots in the paint. So we need to see Phoenix adjust. But I, I, I can't be understated here. And one of the old fables, and there's some truth to it, too, about, uh, you know, basketball series in, in the NBA finals is, you know, your role players play best when they're at home. And I think there is a statistical argument to be made if you average it out over the years. I'm sure somebody's done a study on it. But so far, Phoenix, that crowd, insane. Milwaukee, that crowd's been insane. The role players on both teams. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton look like different players in Phoenix than they did in Milwaukee. And, and the same can be said for Mikhail Bridges. I mean, Mikhail Bridges had 27 in game two, right? So there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of this going into game five. Do you think we, yeah, I, mean, I love Mikhail Bridges. One of my good friends from college went to high school with him, said he's like the sweetest, nicest kid of all time. Yeah. Um, one of my questions for you is, do we see this trend continue in game five? Does Phoenix bounce back? Or is this more of a thing where it's it's less about the environment, it's less about who's home, and it's more about, you know what, I think the Bucks have just figured out this Phoenix team. I think it's the environment. <clears throat> I think it's, this is going to be one of those where it's every home team is going to win a game and Suns are going to win in game seven. Interesting. Um, in that case that hasn't happened um, but, that often amazingly enough like it's not it's, no. it's, it's as common as we might think it is. that's not something that's happened a whole lot in nba finals history where the home team has won every single game yeah um man i i don't i don't think that the bucks have it figured out just yet they looked last night like they sort of if they had an a pick and, and a and a, a chisel that they were just kind of like chipping away at trying to figure out the strategy there. I think they're close. I think if they, they can win a close game on the road, uh, that would be it, uh, which is not a phenomenal take, I know. But, like, <laughs> like the, if you steal one on the road, obviously you're in the driver's seat. But, but I think, I think the, uh, the way that the Suns have played, and there's, the, again, the only reason that they lost that, that tight game last night was because of the turnovers at the end. You play clean basketball at the end, um, you, you continue to do what you're doing um, and, and not forcing the issue when, when you're trying to get back into a game and, and stay tight on defense, all that, all that fundamental stuff, you know, that wins championships. It's the kind of, it's like the little things that, you know, you don't need <clears throat> Steph Curry. And this is a bad example because Steph Curry plays horrible in the finals, but uh, you don't need Steph Curry shooting 50% from three to win you a, a, a finals basketball game you need the fundamentals. That's, that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. So I, I don't think that the bucks have cracked the suns yet. I think that was just a really tightly contested basketball game by two really good teams. 
And uh, I think the Suns continue to do what they do, and they'll they'll find themselves in the in the win column. Well, and to, to that point, Scott, I mean, Phoenix was up nine points in the fourth quarter at one point. Yeah, you know, like if you're Phoenix, you turnovers. You, you can't lose that game. You know, you, you can't lose that turnover by Chris Paul at the end when he, he kind of slipped there on the floor. Like, that was – that just killed him. You, you can't – he's trying to do too much because it's Chris Paul and it's the, the pressure of him being in his first final. All of it. Just, yeah. like, in that moment – you see, you watch the replay. That's in that moment. You can almost see the gears turning in his head. Is like, this is mine. I Which we haven't seen all postseason. Giannis come over. Yeah. We have, yeah, we haven't seen that once out of Chris Paul all postseason. That's why people have been so enamored with this – this uh this finals run that the, the suns have been on you know even in the western conference finals that game six against the clippers in la like there wasn't a moment of that game where even though there were moments where it got tight i i didn't think phoenix was losing that game for a second you yeah. know and, and i think the problem part of this too is is you know another really good barometer i think as as much as devin booker because we saw you know the suns won without a great devin booker performance in game one and game two deandre ayton because DeAndre Ayton only had two personal fouls last night. And when he's going up against Giannis, his ability to not to stay out of foul trouble, to not commit fouls while guarding arguably one of the most dominant players in the NBA over the last you know 10 years in Giannis is honestly incredible, especially considering that Ayton's biggest flaw coming out of college from Arizona was his defense. So I'm I'm fascinated to see it, you know because if DeAndre Ayton comes back and has you know because he only had six points last night he had seven uh, seventeen rebounds five assists but he only had six points and he has to score and that's where the defense of Giannis where Giannis too remember he we're only two weeks removed from Giannis's leg going backwards you know from his knee going yeah. the opposite direction and hyperextending that knee to where we thought he was done and yet here here we are in the finals and Giannis is putting together just an unbelievable run time after time and DeAndre Ayton yeah he played better defense on him than he did in game 3 but that's cuz he got into foul trouble early cuz fucking Scott Foster is the worst uh referee in the entire NBA so Chris Paul needs to be better i don't expect back to back games like this from Chris Paul but this game five, I mean, a lot of game fours are very important but now we're sitting here at 2-2 i mean this this is the series you know, if, if you go down three to two, especially if you're Phoenix and then you have to go to, to Milwaukee to win that game, that is just going to be uh, exceptionally difficult. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be then if that's the case. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, uh, one other kind of funny footnote here that I remember. Do you remember when Pat Connaughton was in the dunk contest? Oh, God. He I went, suppressed that memory. He went full <laughs> like Chet Hanks white boy summer had like the backward like stoner hat with like a t-shirt and like colored like board shorts and he he didn't even make it past the first round but i remember watching it and being like who the hell is this guy he was impressive as hell i mean look these guys are all incredible athletes but like pat Connaughton is is an exceptional athlete he had a couple of really good dunks i think he actually dunked over somebody at one point one of his dunks uh but to think that that guy, and I have the same feeling about Zach Levine. Like, I remember Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan's another one. Like, I remember those guys when they were kind of nobodies in the NBA, like bench player, role players. And then DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine go on to be all-stars. But then now Pat Connaughton is, like, hitting big-time threes in, you know, in NBA Finals games. Like, it's crazy how the, the NBA, you know, dunk contest can kind of, 
you know, flash a light, right? It's that first memory you have of somebody. And now all of a sudden you're seeing them actually impact the game uh, in full standard. Now that is actually a perfect transition to, to move on from the NBA. Let's talk about the home run derby. Uh, because we did have the home run derby this week uh, on two, was it Monday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, Monday night, we had the home run derby uh, Tuesday night. We had uh, the MLB all-star game. And then, yeah, last night was, was game four. Uh, Pete Alonzo, unreal performance, just uh, scary. So fun. How much that dude just can, he hits the ball so damn far consistent. He's got the perfect swing for an all-star game. Uh, now I, I'm sure you've, you've probably, when you were a kid played in an all, uh, an all-star game, did a home run derby. I've done some home run derbies in the past. It is exhausting. Like people don't understand the amount of energy it takes to do that. And Pete Alonso's just up there bobbing his head, getting around. It was incredible. And I, I, <laughs> I also want to give credit to his pitcher, David Joust, who was uh, un, unreal. There was a, uh, a spot chart, you know, at the ESPN, like pitcher's chart of all of his pitches. And you could have yeah. drawn like a six inch, you know, circumference or like a six inch circle, like around the strike zone. And he hit it inside that circle every single time, with the exception of the Perfect. one that hit him. And I heard him on a podcast earlier this week. Apparently, it's the first time in his life he's ever hit, a, he's ever hit somebody. Because he was, he was like a middle infielder when he played in college. The first time in his life that he's ever actually hit somebody. He, he kind of brushed uh, Pete Alonso off the plate a little bit. He's throwing but, darts. But how incredible is the all Because in my opinion, you know, we just talked about the dunk contest, which has its moments. Like there's good years, there's bad years. The home run derby is the best all-star game event in all of sports. And, and I, at this point, I I'm, find it hard to believe that anything else really compares to it. Uh yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, it was fun, fun to watch. It's always fun to watch. Um, it's one of one of my favorite things about All Star Week, uh, not the least of which the game uh, itself, but um, uh, all the pageantry around around the game, the history. It was great what they did with uh, all the stuff they did for Hank Aaron and the home. Yeah, they're everybody. all they're all wearing forty four. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, and all the tributes before the game on Tuesday, um, but uh, the home run derby is always exciting. I think uh, unless it's funnily enough, the, the only home run derby I went to, which was in San Francisco in 2007, Vladimir Guerrero yeah. won with like 12 home runs. It was, it was like the least everyone's like, Oh, everyone's going to hit him into the Bay. There's so many left hitters in this derby. And it was like, no, that never happened. That's such a hard um, ballpark to do a home run derby. in. Though. Oh, I know. It's yeah. arguably the uh, hardest in baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe LA. Uh, but um it was it was a lot of fun. It's always fun to watch. Uh, and Pete Alonso was just going off. It was a bummer to see Shohei go out in the first round, but that first round against Juan Soto was so compelling, so fun oh, to yeah. watch. Um, Do you like the went. new format? So I don't, and here's why. I, I wish, and the the guy who who benefited least from this and got screwed was Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez, yeah. Why in God's name are we doing tournament style from the jump? Let all eight of them hit. You take the top four, then you do tournament style in the semifinals. There's no reason Salvador Perez, who hit 28 home runs in round one, which is insane. It was the second highest. Is is out in the first round because Pete Alonso hit a record 35. Like, come on, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm that's, with you. that's my only gripe with the format. The time thing is cool. I like that. Um, it's, yeah, keep, it's keep a little the more timing. fun than... 
The timing yeah. was a was a such an improvement over the you know ten ounce rule. You know, I'll, I'll take I'll take that. The the hey, you get two minutes. The only the only thing though that I, I thought was weird was it was like everybody gets an extra thirty seconds, and then if you hit a four hundred and seventy five foot home run, then you get another thirty seconds. So it's not a it's not a three minute clock. It's a three and a half or a two minute clock. It's a no, it was three minutes, right? It's a three and a half minute clock because everybody got that extra thirty seconds, and then if you hit a bomb, then you got an extra 30 seconds an on top 30, of that, yeah. which yeah. I just thought was the stupidest thing. Like, why not just make it three and a half then, you know, or why, why just make, why not just give them an extra full minute if they hit that, that number. I just thought like, you know, that somebody in who helped plan this for the, for, for the MLB was sitting there like, this is a great idea. And, and he, he's probably very defensive about it or she, you know, <laughs> very, like very defensive about it. like, no, no, no. Like you don't understand. Like, no, like they get the extra 30 seconds and then, and then kind of times out, but then everybody will make it eat. It'll make it more. I'm like, no, this is stupid. Give them the extra 30 seconds for hitting the long ball or give them an extra minute, but don't give everybody an extra 30 seconds. And then if you hit a really long home run, you get another 30 seconds on it. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. They should have done, they should do it by ballpark where, uh, if that distance is not 475, like in Colorado, yeah. if you hit it over 510, then then you get the extra 30 seconds. Well, there was only um, a handful of balls that went over because I think uh, Juan Soto. Yeah, hit Pete Alonso hit like four of them, and then yeah. uh, Soto hit a 520 foot shot, Jesus. which was funny because the over under for the longest home run, or, or did, will anybody hit over, was 519 and a half. So he literally oh beat it by, by a half a foot. <laughs> I only know because I have that bet. Uh, speaking of betting. I think the home run derby, there's an argument to be made that the home run derby is the best sporting event to bet on. Right? Like it because it's you because you can get great odds on everybody. You get like kind of golf odds on everybody in the field because nobody knows who's gonna win those things. Like who would have had Trey Mancini going to the final? Uh that I, was cool, by the it way. It was super cool. The story that he has and and then to find himself in the in the well, he was in the final, right? Yeah. Of the uh, of the home run derby. Just yeah. unbelievable. And on for my those, fantasy team, by the way. Great for team. those who don't know, Trey Mancini uh, just beat colon cancer. Um, he's He was doing chemotherapy all of last year, uh, and he came back this season. They put him in the home run derby. And he, I mean, that last round, I mean, he caught fire. And he was just, he was ripping bombs. Uh, he hit he hit better in the final round than he did in the first couple of rounds, the first like two rounds at, at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you though. The tournament style is absolutely ridiculous, uh, but the gambling side of it is makes it like phenomenal, you know. But yeah, it should it should be the first eight because Salvador Perez, I he I had him finishing last in my predictions. I didn't think he was going to hit it, and he he went on a tear there and maybe it's just you know the bar was set so high he knew he had to beat 35 so he was just letting it rip but i wanted to see more salvador perez i i I, we needed to see more salvador perez because nothing against trey mancini who again turned it on at the end there but like some of the other guys on that side of the bracket like trevor story some of those other ones like i didn't think anybody was touching pete alonso like i was just like no this is because that's the and, and this is the sign too as to why the home run derby is still electric is it can be a landslide which ultimately it was. And I think after the first round, everyone's like, yeah, okay, Pete Alonso is just going to crush through this. It can be an absolute landslide. And yet it's still really, really entertaining. Like you still watch all the way to the end. Uh, just just because it, it's it's that good of a product. It's that much fun to watch the Home Run Derby uh, as a whole. Uh, you're right with Shohei Otani. Uh, and that's kind of where I want to head next because Otani – uh, I, I love the guy. We said this on the pod multiple times, and you and I have talked baseball. 
you know, if Shohei Otani had been playing in 2005 or earlier, even 2010 and earlier, he, you know, it'd be the number one story on Sports Center every single night. Like, what did Shohei Otani do? And we have finally gotten to the point where people are actually like, holy crap. Like, people are appreciating what you and I have talked about on the pod before. Like, how is how, this? What this dude opening is, day? What this guy is doing is absolutely sensational. And it's unreal. Uh, I don't want to be too negative about it, but I think we have to bring up the Stephen A. Smith thing because Stephen A's comments about it and him being incapable of being the face of baseball because he has to speak through a translator is just not only is it is it ignorant and xenophobic and all these other fucking words you want to describe, it's just dumb. It's just fucking yeah. dumb. It makes no sense in a sport that is yeah. as you know, we don't have we're not a big soccer culture here in America, but our our biggest international sport still. Well, you know, I mean, there are plenty of we're, we're growing, but I just mean like in general as a society, like we are not the biggest soccer culture. You know, it still falls behind baseball in, in national ranking in national ratings uh, and definitely in regional ratings, like in all of your local teams. Like no one's walked watching the Philadelphia Union over the Phillies in Philadelphia. Like if there's a game on, people are still watching, you know, the Phillies. I think the Lax team might have more ratings, honestly. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> and, and the Union were in the championship last year. So it's like, you know, we're not it's not because they suck. It's just because we're not a soccer culture. And the international ties to baseball, despite the fact that the NBA is growing more and more as an international sport, baseball still is one of those, the, the, the one sport that is embedded in American culture that has international appeal to it. And so for a guy like Stephen A, who's the highest paid uh, you know, media personality that we have when it comes to sports in the country, it makes $8 million a year. To, to He does this thing where he'll talk about sports that he doesn't know about. And they, they kind of force him to do it. You know, the famous Dwayne Haskins uh, debacle a couple of years ago. Like, oh, I think Dwayne Haskins yeah. is more of a running quarterback. It's like, no, you motherfucker. Have you watched? Dude, Have slow you ever as watched shit. Him yeah, play it's like he's, he can't run. That's like saying Jamarcus Russell was more of a running quarterback, you know? Like, it, and, and can't throw. Great they, runner, though. <laughs> and, and when it comes to baseball, especially in the, in the heart of the NBA finals and the way all the scheduling's lined up, it's, it's obvious that Stephen A doesn't know this stuff. So he's just letting it fly off the cuff. And he ends up saying some really stupid, ignorant crap that he just shouldn't have said in the first place. So I'm curious as to what your reaction was when you heard that, you know, because I, I, to me, that's just, that's just ignorance on the part of Stephen A. Yeah, I think it's ignorance. I think it's just a misplaced take. Um, you know, it's, Think about what Otani gave up to come here. He wanted to come here to come play baseball, to live the, the American dream, to be a star, all these things. Same fucking thing every immigrant does yeah. when they come here, every single one. So what difference does it make? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I think the, the language itself, <clears throat> xenophobic, uh, racist, all that stuff, uh, potentially. But, you know. I, Stephen A doesn't have a track record of this sort of behavior, so um, I'm, I I don't know how how much we we beat someone like that up over it. Uh, I, and I think you know obviously he he took some time apologizing, which which was kind of upsetting too. Um, he kind of beat around the bush a little bit there, but uh, well, that was the know, bigger learned. that was the bigger problem. Scott was like, yeah, he he went he did he said the stuff on first take. And then he put out a video, which arguably was worse than the original take itself because yeah. he was defending it. And then he put out uh, a, a, like a notes app, you know, thing out onto Twitter. And then he keeps he just kind of kept talking about it. And then they, they turned it into more content. 
you know, the next day by bringing all these people on. And like, look, Stephen A, no question, like, deserve to hear from people. You know, Jeff Passan went on. Uh, there's a new baseball uh, or sports analysis around the horn guy. I'm going to botch Butch's last name, but his first name is June. Uh, who, who is of Asian descent, who is uh, a, a future rock star, in my opinion. He's an awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a fantastic He covered KBO journalist. last year yeah. when they were having it on ESPN. God, I can't remember his last name for the life of me. And he, I mean, and he went on to first take, and I thought he was great. But Stephen A, instead of, and this was my biggest problem, was his apology was more defending himself, and he made it more about himself yeah. than he did about just being like, "Hey, you know what? I fucked up. I'm wrong. I'm going to commit to being better." And that's that's all he had to say. That's all Stephen A. had to say. Yep. And instead, he turned. Simple. He tried to turn it into something about himself. And and ultimately, what I what I love about it, and, and I saw a stat too that the out of every team in Major League Baseball, the Angels got more following in total on their uh, social media page than any other team in baseball by like 30% because that's how many people are invested in what Shohei Odani does. And all you had to do was look into the crowd at the home run derby at the all-star game and yeah, see and the support that was out there for this guy. Be like slightly aware of you, <laughs> what's yeah. going on in, the, in yeah. the sport. Like, come on. And Stephen A, again, he gets, they, they ask him to talk about golf. They ask him to talk about college football. They ask him to talk about college basketball. They ask him to talk about baseball. And these are all things that he doesn't know. Because at the end of the day, Stephen A pays the most NFL, attention to NBA. the NFL <laughs> and the NBA. Exactly. Yep. And, and the, again, if this is, you know, if it was a normal schedule and the finals would have been over by now and, you know, it was midseason and maybe Stephen A would have had more time. Maybe he doesn't say that take, whatever. I'm not even going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Because you just have to be better. Like it's, it's. And a country that speaks well, as many different languages as we do yeah. to say that you can only be famous when speaking English, when you can look across at literally look across the other side of the field from, you know, Shohei Otani and look at Mike Trout, who is white, blonde hair, blue eyed, chiseled jawline, jacked, one of the most incredible baseball players we've ever seen in this generation. And yet he's never gripped on as a star. He's never latched on to be one of these baseball stars that we've all hoped he would be. Maybe it has absolutely nothing to do with race at all, dude. Like maybe it's about personality. Maybe it's about the fact that this dude is literally doing something we have not seen since the 1930s. And maybe we should just shut oh, up and appreciate the that. dude. 1920s, yeah. yeah. And maybe we should just shut up and appreciate what Shohei Otani was doing. Because like, and again, the embarrassment of like, how many times has Stephen A. Smith ripped somebody for being racist or ripped somebody for an apology that was bad? Like countless times. And he's a role model to a lot of people. I mean, first take is still watched by millions of people every single day. And uh, I, I thought it was cool. The, the reaction, so many people were quick to be like, yo, dude, fuck you. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, because, you know, Otani, Otani's a star. He's a future star. Um, oh, that's enough no, on that. Not future. He is. <laughs> he is a star. He's a star. And again, he is the real deal. <laughs> we, we were on that pretty early. Like, we didn't understand why he wasn't latch, catching on. And, you know, maybe in a weird way, the Stephen A. Smith thing will help him be a bigger star than it was before. Uh, which is a, a shitty circumstance to even get to that point. But he was uh, – Otani's unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, so, you know, the MLB has that. The All-Star game so – that was Monday, the home run derby. The All-Star game was fine. Shout out JT Real Muto, hitting the home run. Life, lifeblood, love that guy for my Phillies. Um, Vladdy's home yeah, run. You know what I'm Dude, Vladdy's home run was oh my God, what a an shot. absolute <clears throat> bomb. To hit that live was just unreal, like legitimately 
unreal. I, I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he hit it as far as like oh, yeah. Pete Alonso was hitting home runs, but he did it in game. I think he did it off of wasn't Scherzer because he almost took Scherzer's head off in the first inning. I forget who the pitcher was yeah. that he hit it off of. Uh, uh, it was uh, somebody for the Bre- uh, Brewers, Barnes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was Barnes. Barnes something like that. Um, yeah. And uh, and it was cool because they had Tatis Jr. mic'd up while he hit the home run. So, like, you got Tatis's live reaction. I actually thought the product that they did was, was really, really good. Like, I thought the product of the All-Star game from a T- Until TV the end. perspective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they put the, uh, the mic on the closer, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I still thought it was kind of fun, honestly. Like, I still thought it was a cool way to go about doing it. Was, it. There was a couple of F-bombs. <laughs> eh, Not only that, but, like, they we were trying to talk that, to him. I was like, this guy is laser-focused on closing this game out. Do you not know the personality of closers? Like, they have one job and only one job. Yeah. And they're literally laser focused on it. So to put the mic on him at the end of the game, I was, and we send too Joe many Buck people. Was like, <clears throat> well, Joe Buck was trying to communicate with him. And he's like, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> it was just like, dude, he's not going to respond to you. He's only like Walker. If only Walker Bueller was pitching. Doesn't know. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> That would have, would have been even more fitting. No, you're right, though. You're right. I mean, but also we need to normalize cursing in sporting events. Like the the whole oh, like I, yeah. cur- the whole like cursing offending people thing is such an antiquated style of thinking. I don't that's care. Rooted, I thought it that's like fun. rooted in our like deep American cultures to religion and all this other bullshit. It's like it's just it's it's not going to hurt anybody. You know, they're athletes performing at the highest level, even in an all star game. And I do love that about baseball because baseball is one of the few sports that you can't fake it like you can in football or you can in um, uh, in basketball, you know, like the NBA all-star game. Now they've made it more competitive with the Elam ending and certain things, but just all offense. There's like virtually no defense until you get to like the very, very end of the NBA all-star game. But the baseball thing, like you can't fake that, you know, like Vladdy was inches from taking off Max Scherzer's head <laughs> with a line drive back up the middle, you know, like literally inches away. You know, and that reaction, how hard you have to throw, like you, you just, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. But I do think we send too many people because it's like Zach Wheeler for the Phillies went through three pitches, starting pitcher through three pitches, but because you, they have to get everybody in at the end of the game. And it feels so like little league, like, all right, okay, quick change. No, just they don't have you to. In. It's just, <clears throat> that's no, not but a rule. They, no, it's not, but they make, it's, it's like an unwritten rule. Like everybody should get a chance to play. Like if, especially if you're a pitcher. And, and they do it because every team does get a representative at the All-Star game, which I like. But, you know, maybe we just don't need, like, 40 people on each team to go to the All-Star game. You know, because I think it was, what, 42 from each team made the All-Star team. Uh, no, the, the, the number you're thinking of is that there were 42 that were in their first uh, – Oh, in their 42 first. 42 from, from both the AL and NL that were in their first All-Star game. Even um, still. But, yeah, I think <clears> – <throat> That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and that's, a, and then think about what, there's probably not, there's probably closer to 30, 42 on each team seem tied. I, as soon yeah, as when I said you, that, when I was you like, can, my, my when you consider that the, the, the regular roster on an MLB team is 25, 25. then yeah, like that yeah. math is. And they're well into the thirties on it. Like they're, yeah, they're well yeah. into the thirties. Uh, but does that also counts guys that get, you know, elected and don't get to go because they pitched on the Sunday before or like Buster Posey, which is the reason real Muto got the start was because Buster Posey was elected the starter but got hurt and he's on the il so they so they added another catcher to fill his spot uh so um you know that that's all that kind of stuff the guys in the dugout uh 
including interpreters, you hear that, Stephen A? Is uh, is probably like something players now. It's some probably something like thirty to thirty two aside, yeah. which you know. It's a lot, the bench, the bench player, or the position players don't bother me. I actually think the the position players are, are is a good amount. Uh, it, it's the amount of pitchers that we send, because the thing is, is it's like if you're a really bad team and you don't have any other, like, you don't have any position players who are like all star caliber teams or, or players, then you just send like whoever your best pitcher is, basically, you know. And at the end of it, then it's like, all right, well, we have like seventeen pitchers to go through to try to get into this game. That's only going to be nine innings. And at that point, you're kind of just like, eh, what is the point? It is also interesting, too. Every time I watch the baseball all-star game, I'm reminded of how arguably one of the stupidest rules in the history of sports that the all-star game used to give home field advantage to whoever was the, the nominee or the representative in the World Series. Think about how dumb that is like it is uh, right thank you nobody was, else agrees with me no way no there's no way anyone who follows ba- sports at all could hear that now and be like oh yeah that's a good rule like it's like what it's it it's honestly is dumbest my, rule ever. it's it's the stupidest rule in the history of sports you know? dev- and here's my main argument too and correct you, you know feel free to, to to weigh in but like my thing is then why bother getting the best record in baseball yeah. at the, at the end of the year, just get into the playoffs. Cause who cares who, who's going to have home field advantage with differences make. Yeah. Just get there. Yeah. Uh, no, like it's, imagine if stupidest rule. And it was born out of the fact that, that Sela couldn't make a decision in that Milwaukee all-star game in 2002 or 2001, wherever the hell it was. Yeah. Um, but it, like, imagine if it was like just based off of, imagine if home field advantage was just based off of playoff record, people would lose their minds. You know, he's yeah. NBA, NBA. It's like, oh, one team goes, uh, you know, 11 and one to get to the finals. Yeah. Another team so goes. So you're going to give the Yankees you know, home and... field every year in the AL. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's like the Dodgers home field the NL every year. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. So. Like, But imagine if it was like the playoff record. People lose their mind. Now imagine <laughs> it's the fucking all-star game. Yeah. It's the all-star yeah. game. Which is an exhibition. What? <laughs> like, and that actually determines some and some like, freaking world series championships so it's thank un- you for agreeing with me it's Jeff. unreal anybody who thought that that was good is an absolute idiot i'm sorry I, and i will argue with you to the death to the death no exaggeration <laughs> <To> the death. <laughs> it will be a a trial by combat and you will lose sir <laughs> a joust <laughs> um but so mlb gets all this hype MLB is like at its highest point. I was saying this, I, I, I watched it at a bar with my, my roommate. We go out, we're watching the home run derby at a bar and, you know, I had some nachos some wings and drinking some beers. It's a great night. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? This was, this is the first time, like this is the first MLB uh, experience or game or anything that I am excited for this year. Like opening day, you get some things. I was more excited for the home run derby than I've been excited for anything else. Major league baseball related all season. And I know you're a much bigger baseball fan than me. So like, and you're like a diehard, so you're going to keep watching. But like, I think I have a pretty good pulse on like the average American sports fan when it comes to baseball, because yes, I do have a soft spot for baseball. I still keep an eye on it. I still make sure I'm informed. I watch games, especially like right now, once we hit the dog days and there's like no other sports to watch. As soon as the NBA finals end, it's like, all right, I guess going to watch baseball tonight. But, well, football's starting earlier this year, so. 
you got that. That's true. That's true. 17 game schedule. I'm excited. We got it. We're going to get some more football content going here. Cause I'm starting to, we've been doing media days for the big 12 all week. I've been working and I'm like starting to chomp at the bits. I was yeah, big to, tens this week. We them? had, <laughs> we had Steve Sarkeesian on the show today. He's the head coach of Texas. And I was just like, mm, I was like fiending. I was like, had bubbles coming out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> but the all-star game was great. Homer Derby's great. Like there's all this anticipation. I'm excited. You know, casual baseball fans are, are invested in baseball because of Shohei Otani and, and because of a lot of other, obviously things, Homer Derby. And then what does the MLB do? They go, all right, all-star breaks over Wednesday. Everyone gets off Thursday night. Yankees, Red Sox on ESPN, which would make a ton of sense. Say, so, yes, that'd be great. They're supposed to play tonight. They're supposed to be playing right now. But what happened, Scott? What did they do? They scheduled one game, one MLB game for this Thursday after the All-Star break, and there's a COVID outbreak, and they have to cancel the game. How about that? And, like, why does it have to be one game? Like, the MLB can't do anything right for longer than, like, two days before they shoot themselves in the foot again. It's crazy. There's no need. Make them the ESPN game. There's nothing else on TV. We have to wait three days for the NBA Finals game, uh, game five. Play more games. Why is there only one game? Because at this point, people, this is like when you're going to have a fan, because everyone's been watching the NBA playoffs, which was like every single night, and it was like every other night, and now we have these like two or three day kind of gaps in between games. This is the time when people are going to start watching baseball again. And you're only going to put one game and you're going to put all of your eggs on the Red Sox Yankees rivalry, which I get that's smart. Have that be the first game on ESPN after the all-star break, but you only schedule one game. And now there's a COVID outbreak and it gets postponed. Why does the MLB constantly shoot themselves in the foot like this? Well, the argument or the counter argument for the, uh, the, uh, the MLB is that if we had more games, maybe there would have been more COVID outbreaks. So, yeah. but you're right. That's a really I, no, dumb argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, consider the source. Uh, but no, I, it, it, it doesn't make sense from a, from a, an organization who's among all other uh, professional sports, say for the NFL is keen on making money and monetizing off uh, as much as they possibly can off of the, the product that they're putting out. For them to be like, uh, yeah, so Yankees, uh, Red Sox on Wednesday, and then everybody else, um, or Thursday, I mean. So um, I, I don't understand it. I, there's very little travel that has been had, I think, uh, from Colorado because it's so centrally-ish located. It's a lot more central than West. Uh, than, well, it's than got its own think. time zone. But yeah, there you go. Um, but, but I think there's there's been a lot less uh, travel after the All Star Game because of the, the geography. Um, and, and again, for for the the amount of money that they would make and the the regional market would make on a on a Thursday game, for the MLB to be like, nah, we're gonna put all our egg, our eggs in the the Yankees Red Sox basket. That's just bad business yeah like i know it's yankees and red sox but that's just bad business yeah like there's no again push that as the national game put it on at espn get everybody's eyes right you know again i know like they did that part right the part that they screwed up was like especially in a season where you're gonna have games kind of come and go you know and guys are still broadcasting from home 
you could have changed something around. You could have gotten a, another good matchup there. It, it just was really, really dumb. Um, by the way, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk some other stuff. But uh, Phillies, hardest schedule, first half of the season. Easiest schedule in all of baseball the rest of the season. They're and in prime position. Lucky for you, they're their division rival has lost their best player. So, which but, is hard, which is heartbreaking. Cause I actually love yeah. watching Acuna play. Uh, that yeah. sucks that he's, he's gone with the ACL injury. Uh, but watch out for the nationals. Watch the out. Are, the Phillies, man. We, we talked about, we did our predictions. We'll have to go back and re-listen to that pod and, and make sure we know what our official predictions were. Uh, I said but Braves. you, you and I, I actually had the Braves winning the title, I think. Um, so it's not great, but I, we, we were both high on the Phillies and I think the Phillies are in a prime position. Don't trust the Mets. Watch out for the Phillies. Your giants are crushing it. So, uh, that's baseball talk. Uh, uh, let's, hope they can keep it up. <laughs> hey, we, last time we talked about baseball, we were not confident that they were going to, and yet here they are. They're still, still they're for real. Great. Best record they, in baseball. They are going to be three, three NL West teams in the playoffs. They are playing. So you better win the, the NL East. They're playing. Well, <laughs> given that, that division right now, I mean, that's the only way you're getting in for the end, at least. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk the Open Championship. Uh, and then we got Life Talk coming up right after that. All right. Now we're going to we're gonna spend some time talking a little bit about golf's fourth major this year. Uh, normally, it's the third major because of the new schedule. The PGA Championship has uh, been moved up. And now the, the Open Championship, formerly known as the British Open, formerly known as the Open, uh, is is now upon us and day one is in the books now amazingly enough fourth major this year louis ustazen has the lead at some point in time uh the guy has just been playing incredible golf and yet zero wins to show for it. he's finished second twice in uh the pga and the u.s open so uh, a tough year but also like it's kind of weird to say like you know like you're finishing second you're winning almost a million dollars when you finish second in the open like he's he's doing pretty well but he's also playing really good golf he's up right now he's at minus six followed by jordan spieth and a couple of other guys brian harson uh who's up there who uh i think it's brian harson yeah uh who who i've bet on a, a bunch of times this year is lefty like like him a lot um it's interesting because, and I want your opinion on this, Scott, because when you rank the four majors, just in terms of like a fan, like, oh, I love this major, whatever. The British Open or the Open Championship is interesting because it's either people's favorite championship or it's like their least favorite. It's nowhere in the middle. For me, it's it's my, <laughs> it's kind of my least favorite. I do find it interesting. Lynx golf, which is the style of golf the Open is always in, is very spread out. It's a lot harder. It's always played in Europe, in the UK somewhere. Uh, and it, the way the ball rolls and the way the greens are and how massive the greens are, it's a very unique style of golf. You can't fly things to the pin. You kind of have to let it short and let it roll. It's a, it's a totally different sport almost. Um, but I was curious in, in your opinions here, comparatively to the rest of the majors, where do you have the open championship rank? Ah, uh, I think I've got it. Yeah. I think I got it last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll stick with that. It's just the only reason I I would like it is because an Italian has won in the last five years. <laughs> uh, shout outs to to Frankie Molinari, uh, but <clears throat> I don't. Yeah, I I'm, I get much more excited for well, the Masters is number one to me. U.S. Open close second, and then the oh, players yeah. I probably care about more than uh, than I'm sorry, the PGA I care about more than uh, than the um, 
than the the British Open, and I'll call it that. And I don't care if you get mad at me for it. It's the British Open. Um, well, it's the Open. Yeah, yeah. I'll rank it fourth. It's, fourth. Yeah, it's the British. Uh, I I do enjoy it. Like I I enjoy Sandwich any of the majors. What is that? I enjoy any of the majors. Uh, I I do love seeing it over there. When it was at uh, Carnoustie a couple of years ago, which is the last one we had up in in Northern Ireland. I mean that course oh, was just. You know where it is next year. It was supposed to be last year, but where's that year, next year? Next year, that's St Andrews. So it's supposed to be. Is it back? It's, it always yeah. goes back to St Andrews every couple of years. Uh, I think it's like every three years or every four years it goes back to St Andrews, which is well, uh, you know the old course there is what's called. It's it's one of like the birthplace. It's they kind of call it like the birthplace of golf. Uh, it, it's an absolute like incredible scene. Royal St George, where it's at this year, is beautiful. It's right on the coast. It's an incredibly tough golf course, but a lot of people like Kepka was saying, you know, it's kind of gimmicky and how it's set up. But I think that's just more how the style of Lynx golf is compared to the style of golf that we're accustomed to kind of seeing. So uh, it's not my favorite um, of the four majors. And and honestly, like it can be like if it's at St. Andrews and then, you know, we're playing like Pebble Beach, we're playing like some some other courses that maybe just don't move the needle for me as much or kind of like a little boring, like Beth Page Black, which is an okay course up in New York for the U.S. Open or one of those other ones. But the U.S. Open, they make it so challenging that it's fun to watch the players go up against really hard elements. Uh, And same thing with, you know, the PGA, they usually kind of do a little circuit for a couple of different courses. So all in all, I think it's an entertaining major um because it's major golf like i'll take the four majors over any other golf event uh, you know of the year so we're really literally ranking like one through four unless you want to throw in like the Ryder cup which is always super entertaining but that's every couple of years as well so all in all i think it's gonna be a lot of i think it's gonna be a fun weekend the the leaderboard so far has a lot of people on it um including louis ustazen and jordan spieth and, and to see a jordan spieth uh revival would be incredible but one of the stories that came out of round one today centered around our man Bryson, who uh, we have not shied away from on this pod. We are not big fans of. And nope. uh, I think a lot of golf isn't. And people love him. I, I don't understand how, but people love what he can do on the course, how far he can hit it. They think it's really incredible. He was one over today, did not have his best round. But at one point in the round, he just yelled after hitting a bad driver, like, my driver sucks, which is actually very relatable. Like, we've all been there when it's like, God, this freaking clubs terrible right we want to blame the club right bad carpenter blames his tools right it's something i've always heard growing up uh, it's it's an expression i love to use but the what's amazing is so basically cobra who's the company that makes bryson's drivers they make custom drivers for these guys and they spend hours fine-tuning every single aspect of it you know he's got a five percent loft on his driver and a certain amount of flex and length and, and, and he's got this 46 inch driver like they go to obnoxious lengths to accommodate guys like bryson and one of the guys from cobra who like helped create this golf club he's one of the the partner managers there this is his quote he says it's just really really painful when he says something that's stupid he has never really been happy ever like it's very rare when he's happy added showman who is not at the open i know that if i got him cornered right now and said what the hell did you say that for he would say that he was mad he really didn't mean to say that it that harshly but he knows how much everyone bends over backwards for him, but it's still not cool. And it just is another example of Bryson DeChambeau being Bryson DeChambeau, 
this guy that people just cannot stand, who wants to blame everybody else, who wants to say that he yells four when he's aiming directly into the patrons, even though he there's video evidence at every major that he doesn't do that. And at this point in time, I just, I don't understand how people are on his side of this. You know what I mean, Scott? Like I, it just, yeah. it, it blows me away. It's enough for the answers. As we talked about this earlier in the year, uh, I think right before or, or right after the Lakers got eliminated in the playoffs with LeBron, LeBron, it, it's it, enough. You're, you're one of the best players in the fields, whatever sport you're playing, Stop making excuses. Stop complaining about the fact that you did something poorly. Don't, it's like you play baseball, you know, you make an error, you look at your glove, like it's the glove's fault. Shut up. It's your, you are human. You can make mistakes. Like your driver is not the issue. You are. So just focus up, hit the ball. Like, you know, you've been trained to do and quit complaining. Yeah. I'm done. I'm over it. I was, I was way over it early this year. I was definitely over it after that. And I, I loved the, of course, this has been popularized, but the Kepka thing when, when he was walking by him in the U S over, that was amazing. And, and Brooks has, I mean, like the whole ad thing with Michelob, which I'm actually a, a Kepka guy, but I thought that was really dumb. Like, I thought it was just like, all right, like I get it. Like, can we just kind of move on past this? But you know, Kepka for all of his, you know, faults here and there, he's not Bryson. Like, I don't know how you can look at this guy and be like, yeah, that's the guy that I want to root for. And he just like, he and his cappy caddy just separated for the same thing. Cause he's just, he's unbearable to work with, to be it's around the caddy's to, fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, because it's, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always like, no, I lined this up correctly, but no, clearly you didn't. Cause you missed the putt and that's okay. And it's yeah. at this point, it's very apparent why people just don't like the guy. And I don't know if he's ever going to get it. I hope he does, but it, it really doesn't seem like that's coming anytime soon. Uh, last thing here on the open before we get to our life talk and our man Vito, we have confirmed is going to be joining us uh, to do our uh, bachelor party prop bets, which is oh, a ton of yes. fun. And uh, some of our life talk, Phil Mickelson won the PGA championship just a couple months ago, right? Unbelievable round, unbelievable story. 51 years old puts together this incredible round. He shot an 80 today and is tied for dead last. And the only reason I bring this up, Scott, is because golf is freaking hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it hard sport. And people often forget that Tiger made it look easy for so long. We've seen guys go off and run. It is mentally, physically, it is a incredibly hard sport. And you kind of just got to throw your hands up and, and, and give an, an extra round of appreciation for, for the grind that these guys go through. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing uh, humbles you like a bad round of golf. Nothing. No, especially when you, when you toss your, your balls or your, uh, your clubs into a, a lake, but wouldn't know anything about that. Give me a, give me a quick pick uh, while we're here on day two. Just a quick a gut check. It doesn't have to be any. I mean, going into it, I like Jordan. I thought this was a tournament that Jordan was going to do really well in um, because he's just been playing really, really good golf. And I felt like this might be the time we see Jordan really kind of get back on top of it. Uh, he's won the British Open before, so it wouldn't be the first time we've seen Jordan, you know, kind of come around and do this. Um, but outside of him, because he's minus five right now, so it just seems like I'm kind of picking a favorite. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood had a really, really good round today. He's a guy who grew up. Uh, you know, playing golf, it'll be still a little bit of a long shot because he still has never really closed off in one of those majors. So I would say, give me Tommy uh, or, or Xander Shoffley 
He's kind of in the mix still. He need to, he would have to put together a really good round tomorrow, which I think is totally possible. So I would say either one of those guys would be my pick. All right. Uh, uh, give me a guy who's uh, been in the top 10 in the last, uh, in the last few weeks here. And uh, no surprise, another Italian to beat the English or the British uh, as Maya Turi did last week against, uh, against England. Uh, give me Guido Migliozzi. Mm. Guido Migliozzi to win again. Another Italiano. There we go. People, people like Molinari for the same reason. I don't know how he did today, but uh, people like Molinari for the same reason. All right. Uh, quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to hit our life talk right after this. All right. Time for some more life talk. Uh, we've done some life talk in the past. People really seem to enjoy it. And uh, now that we know that our boy Vito is going to come on to help with our bachelor party stuff coming up just after this segment. Uh, I do want to start off here, though, Scotty, because you and I were both baseball players growing up. Right. We both been around that world, uh, played for a long time, loved the sport. So recently, a coworker of mine texted me and he was like, hey, uh, would you be like, would you be down? He and I used to play on our company softball team together. So would you be down to come play on our like my adult softball league it's co-ed and i was like yeah absolutely i've been dying i've been chopping at the bits since before the pandemic to get back to you know doing this and, and we didn't get our we weren't able to get the same team we did two years ago on so i was like yes please let's do it so i go out last week play the first game they stick me in like left field because that's like kind of an important place to go and we're playing this team of guys which is bomb after bomb and i was like running around like crazy ended up like kind of pulling my hamstring going around third base at one point woke up the next day and honestly, the next like four days in the worst pain and soreness I've felt like ever, like getting out of bed hurt. And I wasn't even going that hard. Like I try really hard not to be the try hard guy played again last night. First pitch of the game. I'm in left field again. And my leg kind of slips out as I go to run for a ball. And I felt the same pull, but in my quad in the same leg. So oh, like geez. I was in like some serious pain, toughed it out, played the whole games, but finding that line of like try hard versus not try hard and like having fun, but also trying to want to be kind of competitive. Cause it's like similar to the sport that you love. Like, how do you find that line? Like, where do you go from there? Uh, I don't know. Cause I'm in your boat. The last time I played softball, I was, uh, I was the, uh, the try hard guy and uh, pulled my hamstring three quarters of the way in the second base uh, to the point where I, I did, couldn't even run anymore. I just like hit the dirt <clears throat> because it was bad and and but uh you is know that i don't try know try hard or is that just like us getting older and like physically you just can't like your muscles just aren't used I'm probably a little of both yeah probably a little of both i i mean look i i, I was i was playing no different than i i had played baseball throughout my high school career but having said that i never played any sort of uh activity uh, basketball here and there but uh, for the most part, never, never any sort of competitive activity since I was in college. Yeah. Um, so but, at that point I was 29, 28, 29. And even then it was just kind of like, a, but see like to me, the, the difference in try hard, it, it, there's a difference between like effort and like wanting to like play well and the way you go about it. Right. Like, I don't care if we win or lose, but I'm going to go out and like have fun and like try to play the game. And like, if I if there's a ball I can die for and make a great catch, like I'm going to do that. Cause that's, that's fun to me, you know, yeah. like, 
And, but, but to me, like, I don't think that's necessarily a try hard. Cause it's like, Oh, well, like, Hey, give me a beer. We're on the bench. We're hanging out. You know, you're cheering everybody on, especially in like a co-ed league. That's like not super yeah. serious, but to me, it's like the team we played last night, they were very clearly like they were trying to be friendly and stuff, but it was very transparent that they just like, they cared, like they cared if they won or lost, but yeah. it, but it seemed like, you know, they were trying to be like all buddy, buddy, like, Oh, we're all out here for fun. But it was like, no, you, your but whole team you. <laughs> like really wants to win. And they were the, they were the team in first place in this league. Right. And I, again, I've only played two games. This league's been going on for like the last month and a half or so. So they're like well into their season at this point. But to me, like, that's where the line between like being a super hard, hard guy is versus like, I'm just going to, like, if I make a sick play, I make a sick play, you know, like I just, yeah. fun, you know, and I think to your point, the the effort versus age thing is is apparent because like maybe you're putting forward the the appropriate what you think is the appropriate amount of effort, but hey, guess what? Your body can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so that's it's sometimes uh, in our both our cases, it sounds like learning a little bit the hard way. Yeah. Um, uh, that you're not uh, as capable of doing some of the more athletic things that you were. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and, and maybe it's just cause like I played club baseball in college. Right. Which is like, we, we took it relatively seriously. Like when the game was on, like, yeah, we were playing, you know, but we weren't out there lifting and, and running wind sprints and doing all the, the stuff that, you know, keep your body in shape. But at the same time, like we'd have music playing in the dugout and we would do walk-up songs and we'd show up to games where everyone was hung over from the party from the night before, you know, like we like to have fun with it, but, we also cared and like, we, we also cared about like winning and losing and like trying our, like actually giving the effort to try, you know, yeah. to me, it's like, Oh, I'm going to go up there and do like a half swing. It's like, no, like I'm going to go up there and swing the bat. Like, and I guess to some people it's like, Oh, that guy's a try hard. But I think if you go about it from the mindset of like, no, we're just here to have fun. Like I genuinely do not care if we win or lose, but like when no, I'm up yeah. to bat and there's a pitch coming in, like, yeah, I'm going to try to crush it. Like that's kind of yeah. just how I go about there's it. There's for sure a difference because try hard is the guy who who tries to hit a home run and everything. I go up there. I'm like, I'm 5'10", 170. And I'm like, I'm not hitting a home run. And so I don't care if it's slow pitch softball. Like yeah. I'm just going to put the ball in play. It's hard right? to hit a home run. Like, I'm not trying to be softball. a hero. Yeah. Yeah. And the guys that do, I'm like, all right, cool. And you know who those guys are. Yeah. And I, I like, I like it, a it little, <laughs> yeah. I like a little bit of competitive energy. Like our team, like everyone wanted to win, but we just didn't care if we lost. And I think that's that, that is the key line there you know what i mean it's like i want to win yeah. we're all going to try to win but if we lose ah, who cares we're, all, we're drinking beers or seltzers or whatever on the bench we're having a fun time listening to music and, and being out in the beautiful weather um mm -hmm. all right let's transition now to the moment that everybody has been waiting for we have a special guest joining us who can't even say he's a special guest he's a special guest every time we get to see him uh but it's our good friend brian san vito because the reason we got you on Vito, you're down the shore, you're living the high life before the three of us all get together for our man Kenny Boy's bachelor party this weekend. Vito and I will meet in person for the first time tomorrow, uh, which will be Friday. It's Thursday we're recording this. And so we've been mixing in some life talk to kind of close out the pods, which has been a ton of fun. And I thought, well, you know what? Since the three of us are team read option in our beer Olympics that we're going to be doing tomorrow night, uh, which heavy favorites heavy Without, favorites I'd, I'd say i'd say there is a team that has four and the, the extra man does help but i think we'll we'll handicap that a little bit i think right now we're like minus 200 favorites to win this thing uh it's gonna be a ton of fun but vita how you doing buddy this is lovely to see your beautiful face on uh, on zoom once again 
Yeah, man. No, I, I'm doing great. Took the week off down here at the shore, getting some uh, training in for, you know, the beer Olympics this weekend. So uh, I'm in peak shape, really went at it the last couple of days and taking a day, make, you know, a little, little light night, um, not going too hard to get ready for tomorrow. Uh, are we doing a team color? That's what I need to know. Like we need a team. We got to go like a team squad here. Like, I wish it, at this point we had shirts. Like I, now I want shirts so that we can, we can all match. I, I will uh, say I have like three shirts here. So I can send you guys some pictures. Blue would be best. Like this, I'm wearing a blue shirt right now. Um, there is blue in the in the logo. There, it's yeah. like orange and blue is our new is our new uh, read option logo. So maybe we right. go with like an or- orange. Get, well, you got it in the beard. <laughs> there we go. Yep. Got in there. We'll go orange and the brown tat and the brown tat. There we go. Yeah, we'll go orange and blue for our for our colors. Uh, before we get into the fun stuff, which I have some bachelor party over unders for you guys. Uh, and we're going to keep track of these. I'm going to try my best to keep track of it throughout the weekend. We'll see how we, how we did afterwards. We'll all get together post post bachelor party. Once our livers and bodies recover. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to talk about, so this is only my second bachelor party. And the first bachelor party I went on actually helped plan was a buddy of mine in college is getting married right after he graduated. And we went to like a cabin in the woods and it was a great time. We hung out. It was, it was a ton of fun. Both of you guys have been through some shit when it comes to bachelor parties. So give the people, mm-hmm. give the people your, your classic, your golden rules, your, your classic etiquette. How are we supposed to behave at bachelor parties? Do's and don'ts. I uh, will start with you, Vito and, and Scotty, you give me yours afterwards. Yeah, I got a couple good points here. Number one, I, I think the rule is you need to keep the team drunkness at the same level. You don't want some people getting trashed, some people kind of not really getting going yet. You you want to keep it kind of consistent if you can. I mean, it's with bigger groups, it's harder. How, um, how do you go about policing that? Is it like, a, do you grab your boy like, hey, come on, we got a long day to go here? It's it's that and the inverse. Sometimes it's like, hey, man, like uh, it, it's if someone's getting after it, it's like to remind them that that night you got some awesome shit planned or in the inverse, it's like, you know, hurting sheep, the one lost one at the back. It's like, no, dude, you got to rip a tequila shot right now. Like, you know what I mean? So sometimes it's a little of the front, little of the back. You try and herd the group together. I I've, I've noticed the groups that stay around the same usually um, have a pretty good time. Um, what, Are you the, the cattle other dog? Is, You're the yeah, cattle dog running around behind. Unless he's at the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? You can get lost in there sometimes. Make some popcorn. You know what I'm talking about, Scott. So <laughs> I think the other the, yeah, the other thing that I just started doing recently, um, which I won't have this time, uh, unfortunately, I'll have like one or two, is uh, Apple AirTags, the GPS mm. locators. Yeah. Been dropping those in the most drunk dude's pockets and letting him know, like, dude, hang on to this. And like in case their phone dies, especially um you know share all your locations with each other when you get there but you drop the air tags in the most drunk people because they always will wander off especially if you're in a city or some kind of location near the beach like where are they going and then that way you can always track them down know where everyone's at you know um and the other thing i realized is when you're tracking everybody you can't get too drunk and you can't wander off because all of a sudden people are trying to find other people and you just happen to be in a bar called uh you know angels and demons on bourbon street and it's 3 a.m and you realize everyone's back at the house so um that can happen too (laughs) you gotta keep tabs on people that's for sure uh 
Yeah, those those are some important points. The others are uh, are uh, don't wander. Well, it's related is don't wander off without uh, letting everyone know where the hell you're going. <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, you know, people ventured off from Bourbon Street uh, at my bachelor party in New Orleans. And uh, but they told us it was like, hey, we're going out here. We're going to Frenchman Street. Hey, I'm going to a, a certain place down the block. I won't name names who went there. Brian San Vito, uh, and may or may uh, not be on this podcast. My good friends, yeah, um, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, for for sure. Um, uh, the other is uh, is just for me is is savor the memory because it goes by like that, and you know, four days sounds like a long vacation to most of us who work. We're all three of us workaholics. Um, Brian busts his ass. Jeff busts his ass for for work i i do the same thing so take four days seems like a lot but it's going to go by like that and just enjoy every little second of it uh one of my favorite parts and james tends to agree with me our buddy james is uh and this happened on my bachelor party is everyone you know kind of just roll it in meet each other up um especially true if uh, if it's a big group and there are guys that haven't met each other um you know necessarily so uh looking forward to that tomorrow where we're uh, we're kind of you know, hanging out in, uh, at, uh, at the bachelor party and, and people are starting to roll into town and we're at a bar getting drunk already, <laughs> all the, all that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my advice is just, uh, just enjoy every minute of it. And, uh, if you don't go back drunk, you're not doing it right. So, <laughs> well, I feel like too, it's like, don't be afraid to go over the top with that, right? Like, don't be afraid to be overly kind, be, push your comfort zone with how much of an extrovert you are. Cause it's only going to make, you don't want to be on like day two and you're just remembering somebody else's name, you know, like That's you right. want to be, you want to be like uh, over the top almost like not like annoying guy. You want to be like over the top and that it's like really shell out the effort. Here's the one piece of advice I can give or go ahead Vito. Yeah. I was going to say the, the one other thing. And I, and I say this with groups a lot. Uh, it's a phrase that my friend Nick has always said. Uh, and I've hung on to it and bachelor parties are the best. You, when you have big groups, sometimes, like you're saying, you want to meet everyone. You want you want to pump everyone up. You want to be those people that are having fun and very positive vibes. And the phrase is, we're either with us or we're against us. And you need to be a <laughs> fan of everyone else in that goddamn room and your boys. No matter what, I don't care any history. I don't care anything. It doesn't matter. You're boys for the weekend. You're a family. Own it. You're going to have the greatest damn time if you do. And you're going to make some great friends. Like, there are some friends that I met through Scotty's bachelor party that I still keep in contact with. I've never met him. You know, I met him at his wedding and his bachelor party and that's it. But that's how you meet some great people. I was, I was going to say, Vito, that's the, the, I remember you saying that distinctly in the house in new Orleans, after we got back from the grocery store and everybody was there and you said that. <laughs> and for now for context at my bachelor party, I have a bunch of my college friends that are from the East coast and a bunch of my West coast friends that I grew up with that were there, <clears throat> including some family. Um, but those two people, or those two groups of people had never met. That was one of my biggest points of anxiety um, going into my bachelor party. But Vito, and we have a great one to, to, to gel this together, Jeff. Vito got those guys fighting for each other from the jump. Like it was, oh, it was Vito's, Vito's going to come in like Phil like, Jackson. I mean, <laughs> yes, like, Vito's the Phil Jackson of bachelor parties. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, I love that. The one, here's, here's the one piece of advice I, I can give from my experience because I, I actually planned 
the bachelor party, which is the first one I'd ever gone to. And the one thing you can't forget is that it is the groom's bachelor party, right? Mm -hmm. Like at all times, no matter what, whether you're trying to get him drunk, whether you're thinking about like, what is he going to want to do? You know, and Kenny's one of the nicest dudes in the world. So he's always going to be like, no, like whatever the group wants, you know, no, it is his bachelor party. As much as it's a, we are, you know, it's all for us. There is a head at the, at the us, right? There is one guy at the top of that and you can never lose sight of that. You know, some people like to go to strip clubs. Some people like to go absolutely bonkers. Some people like to go play golf both days, you know, three, two or three days in a row. Like that's gonna be my bachelor party going drinking and playing golf three days in a row, you know, but everyone's going to want to do something different and it's about the groom and you can never forget that so that is that is some killer bachelor party advice all the way around and that's exactly why now we're gonna get our over unders i'm gonna go through i have i think i have six here on the uh, on the list My language <laughs> so uh we're, we're gonna go through number one over under toasts given over the course of the weekend i have it set at two and a half scotty Ooh. over under uh, knowing the group that's there, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna take the over on that. I'm gonna hammer it too. Over. All right, Vito. I feel. I feel like. Uh, like I can cheat here because I can give one or two myself. Uh, but I do agree. I, if we're gonna say we're not gonna impact, we're, we're going. No, we're going. In, we're going integrity here, Vito. Okay. Well, I always do one anyway. Well. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going over still. I'm going over. I agree with Scott. I think the, the length of the bachelor party trip with the group and the amount of people, I think I'm hitting over. What about you? Hitting over. So my thing is, this is a big bachelor party. I think we have what, 12? Is it 12, 13, 12, give, 13. give or take? That's a yeah. big group. And it's not like a super close-knit group where like everyone's going to want to give one. So I actually, I thought I hit the line pretty pretty good there with the over-under. I think I'm going to take the under. Okay. Because I think Mine's it's going to short. I think it's going to be more about like guys are going to pull – kenny aside and be like yo dude like i'm just just gotta tell you man i'm so happy for you you know it's gonna be like more like one-on-one thing so i'm gonna take the under here on uh, right. on toast you're wrong given. but all right <laughs> we'll find out all right over <laughs> under the amount of people who pass out before 4 p.m any of the days were there over the course <laughs> of the weekend i have it set at 10 and a half oh wow <laughs> that's hefty uh -huh. It, right, but think about it. it's a big group we're talking about three days afternoon and we're not talking about like out for the count i mean like if you yeah. take that nap at like two o'clock you know day drinking I'm, go ahead here's why. With the over i'm going with the over Vito really? likes the I, over i think when you talk about a golf session or you know in, in the morning people come back want to sleep there's a beach like you know i was out in the sun people can sleep on the beach and it will count right so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hitting that over I know Kenny loves naps. Um, shit, <laughs> I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the under on this one. Actually, Ooh, Scotty's going with the under. Just knowing that knowing the the group of friends that you don't know is from Penn State. They don't, they're not gonna fuck around while we day drink. So that's true. But it's also um, I mean, got a group of like almost thirty. Like there's a significant amount of like thirty plus people. No shots right. at you, no, Scotty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the under. Uh, yeah, thank you. Scotty's going. I'm, under. I'm gonna stick with the under. I'm going, I'm going over. I, th I, I feel like this is a lock. I feel like between golf early after doing beer Olympics on Friday, there's going to be a good amount of people, you know, who go out golfing, you know, and then come back. I think, 
I think we're going to go with the over. I'm with you on that one. Why, watch me account for five and a half of those naps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Number three, over under group shots. So this means all 13 of us, everybody there. I have set at four and a half. Under. Wait, no. Hammer in the over. I know Derek Ooh. Boy and I know Kenny Boy. It's going to happen. And Mike Tiger's there. We're, I'm hammering the over. Really? I'm hammering the over. I'm saying under because of what Jeff was saying earlier. We're going to be, there's a lot of people to corral them all to get in a group shot. We'll have one maybe each day. And that's furthermore. We'll furthermore, I think we're going to hit that. Oh, oh we're going to hit the over at Secrets on the Saturday. Oh. Oh. Wow. If that but happens, remember, it's got to be everybody. Yeah, everybody. Oh, no, if that there. happens, Scotty, I know what I said. If, if that happens, I'll take a tequila shot at that moment. <laughs> if the oh, fifth yeah. picture happens at Secrets, I will take a shot. If I'm taking a shot, it's almost <laughs> always going to be tequila. So, yeah. yeah. So, God, so Vito. It, Jeff, I can't believe we're going to meet this weekend. This is going to get so rowdy. <laughs> yeah. Vito, you're, you're going under. I'm going under. What are you going? I'm going under. I. I think that the key in the question how I set up is that it's got to be everybody. I think we'll have like six people take shots. I think we have other people. I, I, I like the under. I'm going under. I think under four and a half. So far, by the way, can I get a ruling? Am I not crushing these lines? These are great. These are like, great I'm just lines, crushing actually, yeah. the number. Like, I feel like I'm right on it. Uh, I agree. All right. Number four, over under, amount of guys who will make the 8 a.m. tea time on Saturday morning. I have it set but way under. <laughs> I have it set at eight and a half. Now we have three okay. foursomes. We have three foursomes. So is, do we go more than two carts is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> no, way under. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, well, okay, here's the deal. Are you saying that they don't roll up late or are you saying that they don't go at all? No, no, that make the tea time that like you're out golfing and like you're not going to be able to under. just go join oh. out at the 10th hole, you know, or the fourth hole. Like, no, like you got to no, you got to be there by the time you're teeing off. No, you know what? You know what? I'm going to I'm going to go over. I believe That's, in the group. Yeah. I believe I believe that I'm willing us into existence that we all get to the goddamn course. So I'm going over. <laughs> This is the best segment we've ever done on the read option. Just, I'm just saying this now. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll switch my path. I'm going to go over. You're going to go yeah. over too? All right. All yeah. right. Scotty was convinced. Scotty was convinced. I, uh, yeah, so I just, I feel like, because especially for, for the place that we're playing, it's a summertime in a beach town. It's a Gary, it's, it's, it's a, a Gary player golf. course. It's yeah, a, it's a really, it's a really nice golf course. So I'm going to go over just on that contingent alone. I think based off, I think there's enough guys in the group that lo- that really love golfing. Like, I feel like there's no doubt the three of us, Kenny, Derek, that's five, Michael London, this could be six. Like, DJ, I think is definitely going to be there. I'm feeling the over. I'm feeling the over, especially because there's a sense of guilt, too, when the tee times are already pre-booked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm yeah, going to, sure. I'm taking the over. All three of us are on the over there for the, uh, for the tee times. Now, uh, quick, right. quick one. Do you think that all 12 will make it? no i don't either no i I do not i do not think that all i I don't think all 12 are going to end up making it uh all right number five we got two more number five total number of bars attended by the end of the weekend i have it set (laughs) i have it set at seven seven and a half no no chance under for sure wow and i say this because 
first of all, I've never been to Ocean City. I don't know how bars there are, but probably very little. Nah. Uh, and if I'm, I, if I'm wrong, that's fine. But also, there are 200 bars on Bourbon Street, and we stayed at one the entire time on my bachelor party. So under for me. <laughs> I'm See, I'm going over because I feel like I could hit seven in one day. Like, I'm the guy that is at the bar and says, hey, I'm going to go check that next bar, see if it's worth going to, and come back and report out. And I'll do that a bunch. So if that counts, because it's attended. It's not everyone's going to. It's attended. It's a big group. I'm going to mm-hmm. hit the over. Going to hit the over. So Scotty's going way under. Vito likes the over. So here's here's the, the caveat here, is there's a there's a bar called Secrets, which is like one giant complex with a bunch of smaller bars in it. And we are going to Secrets at one night, which is spelled S-E-A-C-R-E-T-S, right? Like the C. So depending on how much time we spend there, we could hit like at least five different spots there alone, just going from one place to another. But I do think Scotty's point of like, hey, you're on Bourbon Street and there's a million bars and you can spend a whole lot of time at one place. I think I think this is going to be the hardest one. And the line's a little high. I think I'm going to go with the over though. I think I trust that. I think I think we're going to end up exploring around because Ocean City's secrets. It's a, it's a really good time. I'm going to go I, with the over. I missed I missed one important factor. What was which that? is why I think I'll I'll stick with the under, but I think the over is probably going to hit. Is Kenny Boy likes to wander when he's drunk. He does. Mm. So seven and a half is still I, a high number, though. I, it I, is. Yeah. <clears throat> It's a high we'll number. We'll see. I, I think I think it'll. I'll stick with the under, but I think it's gonna go over. <laughs> All right, guys. Last one, number six. Over under times that we can't find Vito throughout the trip. <laughs> What's I the line? I have it set at two and a half. Over. Fucking over. over. Yeah, I originally way. had it at three and a half. Would that change it? I nope. think it would. I think you, both lines are great. I think it's probably going to be around three. It's it's usually it'll be like twice in one day. Somehow, is usually how it goes. And uh, like I can tell you right now, I'm on a I'm at the beach right now, vacation. We were at a, a beach bar, um, and they even said this kind of like secrets. And at one point, I just get called on my phone. I'm like, "Where are you?" And I was just wandering down the beach by myself at like yeah. 10 p.m. See, I'm changing. Nice I'm going back to my original line. <laughs> three and a half is the line. We're going three and a half. Because I thought I forgot yeah. about like the midday wandering. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably still over. Honestly, I'm pretty bad at this, but yeah, hammering uh, it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's right there though, Jeff. I think I think three is the magic number. And uh I'll say this. I'm gonna stay out of this because I will the only thing I love more than wandering is winning gambling. So uh I'm gonna <laughs> no, stay got, out of no because here's the thing, Vito, like Kirk Herb Street. This is like Kirk Herb Street on Saturday. Kirk I can't Street. I can't call this game. I can't call this one. Ohio, Ohio State's on. I can't. That, I, 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 no, I'm I love the game. Here's, here's the thing, though, Vito. By the time we're drinking and everything, you're going to completely forget that we did this. That's true. So right, I'm it's gonna going go to be over. It's go, I'm going. Scotty's going over. Vito's going over. I'm hammering the over. I think that's my absolute <laughs> lock. So quick recap. Over under Toast Givens, two and a half. Scotty's over. Vito's over. I'm under. Over under people who pass out before 4 p.m., Scotty's under. I had the line at 10 and a half. Scotty's under. Vito's over. I'm over. Over under group shots at four and a half. Scotty's over. And that's his hammer, his lock. Vito's under. I'm under. Uh, over under guys who make the 8 a.m. tea time eight and a half. <laughs> so ridiculous. Scotty's over. Vito's over. We're all over. 
Uh, Not ridiculous. This is amazing. <laughs> total total number of bars by weekends and seven and a half. Scotty's under. Vito and I are over. And the amount of times we lose Vito at three and a half. <laughs> all three of us just absolutely jackhammering <laughs> the over. Oh, guys, this is a hell of a pod. Thank you so much for joining Vito and, and coming on late. We will see you <laughs> tomorrow. Everybody listening, uh, hopefully we will recover in time uh to uh, to be able to give you another another podcast where we will go through and we, i'm i'm gonna set this up my phone in my notes app i'm gonna keep track of it throughout the weekend and uh hopefully all the guys on the uh, down the shore will come back listen to this part of the pod next week so uh scotty oh, yeah. you know love you guys thank you guys for coming on and uh we'll talk to you guys next week take it Thanks easy everybody.